When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's going on, Jermaine Johnson? Tune in to Turn On The Jets podcast. Hey, this is Vinny Pasquantino of the Kansas City Royals. Make sure you tune in to the Turn On The Jets podcast. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Turn the Jets podcast. I'm your host, Will Parkinson, at Will Pollard on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Kind of a, we were just talking about that off air, kind of a, a quiet time of year. The NFL schedule is out. We'll give some feedback on that. Um, of course, the Jets still in the headlines. Uh, Quinn Williams and uh, his Twitter bio changing and, and everything uh, everything like that. Joined by a special guest today, who's a, he's a reporter for the AFC East for Fox Sports, uh, Henry McKenna. Henry, how are we doing today, man? Life's good. Life's good. <laughs> Summer's here and uh, starting to get outside. It's uh, and finally, as a football reporter, have time to to do it. <laughs> yeah, no, it's uh, you know, post drafts always a there's a little bit of that craze post draft right before the schedule, and then we kind of st- we're gonna start to get it. I know we got some OTAs and things like that coming up, but the right after the next three four weeks, right after that, it's gonna be a nice. Uh, there's a nice like five or six week break there uh, before camp. Obviously, we can we can touch on the schedule a little bit, but you know, you had a story come out on Fox Sports, uh, I believe, two days ago, yesterday, whatever day it was. Um, the Quinn Williams thing—it's been kind of assumed it's going to get done. The numbers, the market seems pretty clear based on the fact that every, pretty much everyone else has gotten paid. But you know, Rich Smini said it on my pod a couple of weeks ago, and then you had the story out. Sides here, they're not close. The numbers are a little different. You know, where I guess where's everything stand and kind of break that down for us, if you don't mind. Seems like both sides are still leveraging. Um, so like Rich reported, I'm not sure that they're eye to eye right now. Um, and that's why we see Quinn and Williams pulling the Jets off his social media presence, doing everything he can to leverage what he's got. Um, players, honestly, they really don't have a lot of power with NFL rules uh, because they hold out, they start incurring fines um, and then the media pressure starts to sort of like build on them. So these are the little things that players nowadays can do is sort of like taking these shots um, at the organization to try and build a little bit of like fan support, I think. So when I was speaking to my source close to him, um, they were saying, you know, it, it hopefully it doesn't get messy. That was kind of the most interesting quote I heard, which was um, that hopefully this doesn't escalate. Hopefully the two parties start to get a little bit closer. And like you said, it's not a super complicated market. The defensive tackle market, we just saw a few new deals. Um, Deron Payne, Jeff, Jeffrey Simmons, and Dexter uh, Williams, I believe, right? Uh, Dexter Lawrence, yeah, it doesn't matter. Lawrence, yeah. Leonard Williams, Dexter Lawrence, they got two of the highest paid D tackles in football. Yeah, uh, Dexter Lawrence uh, it, it, with the Giants. Um, and so we've seen a bunch of um, sort of market resets or at least market um, evaluation. Obviously, there's the Aaron Donald deal 
which is a bit of an outlier. So, uh, you know, the source that I spoke to said somewhere in between, oh, let's get above Jeffrey Simmons, who is uh, the, the second highest paid uh, defensive tackle in an average annual value. And then, you know, reasonably, Quinnen Williams is going to land below Aaron Donald. So that means somewhere between 25 and 30 million a year. And then th that's sort of a wide gap because it depends on how much guaranteed money comes onto the table, how many years, um, where the money lands in those years. So there's all those factors. I think ultimately, you know, what the source also told me was he loves the Jets. So this isn't a situation where he's really trying to push himself off the team. It's not like trying to get a trade necessarily. It's just that he wants the Jets to honor him with the contract that he deserves. Yeah, look, I, I think, you, you know, I mentioned it there. It just has felt like four for between four for 96 and like four for 105 on top of it. So it's really five for, you know, whatever, 105 or five for 115. If you include this year, kind of makes a lot of sense. It's obviously the guaranteed money. Um, you know, that's going to be, there's going to be something that's going to be haggled over. What's fully guaranteed. What's guaranteed. What's, you know, partially guaranteed. And, you know, I, the average annual value is more for um, <laughs> it's, it doesn't mean quite as much in, in reality, just because, you know, if you don't ever see half that deal, that doesn't really matter. It's more on the principle of, from an agent perspective, you want to be able to say your client has the, the highest annual, um, annual average value, or from a player perspective, you want to say I'm the highest paid guy, you know, Patrick Mahomes had that. And then obviously it's changed. Rogers number was the highest number, but it wasn't really against the cap. So there's a lot, bunch of different situations there. You obviously mentioned it there. This, this, this is going to get done to me, right? You, do you feel like there's any question whether this gets done? You mentioned, obviously they don't want to get messy. You know, this is a, social media stuff is so stupid because reality we saw it last year with all these different guys, they either got traded or got the deal done. Um, where do you feel like this ends up? And, you know, do you think this is going to drag into the summer or you think we're, we're looking at maybe sometime in June, uh, this gets, uh, when it gets quiet, this gets done, of course. Yeah. I think the only thing that gives me pause with this deal is the Aaron Rodgers contract. Um, I think they have, uh, they ha when, with Aaron's deal being so loaded into the 20, 24 salary cap right now the jets have to figure out if they can do something to free up some space that year because for example the dexter williams deal uh, did i get it right that time yeah dexter lawrence no it's not it's all right. there's quentin williams being like god the dexter lawrence deal uh is actually loaded like a lot more of the salary cap hit takes place in 2024 right so if they're trying to recreate that sort of deal uh, which is very often what happens between agents and teams. They're like, oh, this is the deal that just happened. We can kind of make, we can add a million per year or something because Quinn is the better player, but this is the idea. They can't just do that currently with the Dexter Lawrence deal because of the Jets salary cap situation, given that they're like, I think right now they're like 40 million over the cap, according to the website over the cap. Uh, with Rogers deal. So if there's a way that they can um, anticipate Rogers playing in 2024, uh, which Rogers hasn't really committed to, or they can just uh, refigure Rogers deal that might create like more, less of a headache in 2024, then this Quinn and Williams deal becomes much less of a point of anxiety. They can give him a little bit more of what he wants, but currently Rogers deal is actually complicated. The Jets whole, like future planning 
And that's why I think there's that tiny bit of doubt in me that that the Jets might actually have some problems putting together like the offer that Williams really wants. Um, but it was, uh, I think like 10 days ago, a week ago, um, Robert Sala was on the Rich Eisen show saying, you know, I think Joe Douglas is making this a priority. I think that, that Joe's going to get this deal done. They love Quinnen Williams. Quinnen Williams loves them. He's, he's a huge, uh, presence in that locker room. It goes without saying, I guess, but, um, I think at this point, and, and then there's not even to mention, you know, the fact that they have struggled to draft, develop, and extend first round picks over the last few years. And so given that they have so many um, hot, top tier talents in the, that they took in the first round and the second round, who are probably going to be due extensions, um, if they can extend Williams, it does actually kind of send a message to those guys like Sauce, like maybe Jermaine Johnson starts to step it up a little bit more, Brees Hall, um, down the line, like look at what happened with Quinnen, like that can happen with you. You put up that golden carrot and it is it is an incentive uh, for younger players uh, rather than seeing this precedent that's long been standing in New York that like the first rounders kind of bust and they kind of don't get deals. Um, so I think there's a lot of really good reasons for the Jets to get this done. That's why I think they will, they will figure it out. Yeah. Look, I, I think the Rogers deal is going to get restructured. They've talked about that. It's, it's going to need to get restructured both as much as I know Rogers is excited to be here. He's not going to play on the minimum. Um, that's not, gonna, that's what he's playing on right now. And that just doesn't seem like it's feasible. You know, I've heard he's going to be in the single digits, which is, but that's again, very different. And how we can, you know, I think people have to remember with this Rogers deal, like the Jets are going to have to pay a pretty penny of cash to him this year. And it's not about, and Woody Johnson's going to have to fork that cash out. I know no one wants to cry, you know, tears for billionaires. And I understand that I'm not saying you need to, but if they extend Quinnen and they give him $55 million fully guaranteed, he's getting a $55 million check when that deal gets signed. So like, there's a lot of money that needs to get forked out up front. And I think that's part of the deal here. Um, I, I believe Richard mentioned on the show that that's kind of where Woody's hesitation is. He's like, I got to pay this money for a defensive tackle. And I know defensive tackles are way more valuable than people realize. I just think when you're an owner, you think for a quarterback, you don't care when it's come for a defensive tackle. Those guys don't sell tickets um, unless you're an Aaron Donald. So I think it gets done. Uh, my prediction has been longstanding. It's going to be in June sometime when every single person covering the jets is on vacation because this is what the jets do. And it happens every <laughs> time, whether you're coming, it just, it's, it's just inevitable to happen. Uh, but as you mentioned, look, the market's pretty clear. Um, Quinnen wants to be here. He he came out right as the off season started and was like, I'm just letting you know, I'm holding out if we don't have a deal by May. And it's obviously May, they don't have a deal. Um, once it starts, once he starts to get fined and we get into camp and you're missing camp and you're missing mandatory workouts or you're getting fined 20, 30, $40,000 a day. Quinnen has not made enough money that, you know, you can just take those type of hits. That's why there's incentive from his side and his agent not to get this deal done. Obviously she negotiated the Jalen Hurts deal earlier this offseason, which made him the highest paid quarterback at the time. So um, I want to ask you quickly, just transition a little bit of the schedule, obviously you cover the whole AFC East. The schedule is super intriguing in a lot of different senses. We get that Jets-Bills matchup week one. Um, you know, the Patriots schedule looks very tough early on. Miami's got a tough schedule early on. How did the schedule break down for you guys from just an entire division perspective? And where do you feel like – do you feel like one team has an advantage schedule-wise? I know it's so stupid because, in reality, 
some of these teams, someone could get hurt and then all of a sudden that game's easy or some teams are better than others that we expect. I guess where'd the schedule shake out for you? Because Jets are in prime time a ton. Buffalo's in prime time a ton. So is Miami. And the Patriots are always in prime time, whether they, they should be or not. Yeah. You know, it. I think the truth is all, all of these teams landed top 10-ish, top 8-ish in, in difficulty. So even if I picked one, I, I would probably be wrong. Uh, but they're all in a tough spot, right? And the crazy thing is I actually predicted all of them to be over 10 wins, even though they are um, they are in such a tough spot from a schedule standpoint. So um, the Bills actually, I think, might have the toughest schedule. Um, and given how little they had sort of like, um, there was a, I feel like there's a lack of inertia with Buffalo in terms of what they did from a personnel standpoint. And I don't know if that's going to be smart. Um, I don't know if they, they are going to be happy with the fact that they basically stuck with the same roster minus Tremaine Edmonds. Um, but it will be an interesting test um, because <laughs> it's only getting harder for them. It, they, they did very little to, to change and the AFC East got substantially better in every on every team and their, and their schedule is kind of only getting harder. So um, I think, you know, Josh Allen said he's working harder than ever this off season because of how, how bad it's felt to lose in the postseason. But I think that it's weird. It feels like the, the odds are stacked against them more than any team in the AFC East. Um, now we used to say that all the time for the Patriots and the Patriots would finish atop the AFC East, despite all of the things being sort of uh, against them. So, um, but yeah, I would say the bills are looking sort of in to be in the toughest position at this point. I'm excited to see that the jets are getting so many primetime games. I think that's going to be great. Uh, um, unless things go off the rails, but uh, I, I don't, I, you know, Aaron Rodgers, I think is a stabilizing presence in, in, in that regard. So, um, and then the one team I think like I'm, I'm most dubious about right now is the dolphins. Um, I think that they, they might have the easiest schedule, um, but their team is makes me the most worried like we saw at the second half of of the year how how much things fell apart not only was it related to Tua's health but schematically you know McDaniel wasn't necessarily firing at, at the same like level that he was when he started and, and it's all related right like you can't you know McDaniel's not going to be incredible without a good quarterback a competent quarterback um but that you just worry at the beginning. I was like, they haven't figured out this offense. There's no figuring out Tyreek Hill uh, and Jalen Waddle. And then by the end of the year, I was like, maybe people have figured out this offense and, and like they have figured out Tua. And, and so that's a real question. There's so much hype around the dolphins and there's so much momentum and pressure on Mike McDaniel and Tua that I have some real concerns about whether they can actually live up to this like if the rest of the AFC East wasn't as good as it was I think we'd be looking at like the Dolphins as sort of like this weird dream team thing um but they don't get as much hype get in the division but they have an insane amount of talent and I think they're gonna maybe I, I could see it steering south early 
especially I think given how strong their schedule is to start, even if it finishes weaker. Yeah, look, I think the the thing with Miami that, and you know, obviously we continue to talk about this as the offseason goes along, but Miami's biggest issues are the probably the four most important non-receiver guys on their roster are either old, either and often injured. Teron Armstead is always hurt. And when he doesn't play, the Dolphins look way worse. I think everyone can see it. He's an incredible, he's probably a top three, four left tackle. But him and Tyron Smith at this point, both in their careers, were like, you just don't know how many games you're going to get out of either of those guys, right? In Dallas and in Miami. So, you know, that's a huge problem. Tua has missed games his whole career, even before the concussion stuff. And I, I don't know. Two, it's not like two other than one of those hits last year, two of those, you know, were not these monster hits. And it's like, you know, there's obviously it's obviously a concern from a concussion perspective. Um, and then you look on the back end, you know, they trade for Jalen Ramsey, which is fantastic. Jalen Ramsey is a guy that had a down year last year. I I, I know people don't want to hear that. And Jalen Ramsey's still a great player, but he makes a hell of a lot of money. And I mean, we'll see if he's still the same player he was two, three, four years ago. Maybe he is, right? Um, but maybe he's not. And Davian Howard last year was hurt the whole year and got torched a lot. Uh, Garrett Wilson had no issues with him. And, and you look at even in Buffalo, I worry a lot about their secondary. Their secondary is a, you know, a bunch of guys that have been all pros, but they're all on the wrong side of from an age perspective or coming off major injuries, neck injuries, ACLs, um, elbow injuries. You know, I love Jordan Poyer. I think the Jets, you know, if he would have, you know, wanted to stay in the AFC East, would have been a great move for them. But, you know, Jordan Poyer is not, is getting older. They're, these guys are not getting in. They're taking a lot of punishment. So I just worry about that from a Miami perspective. I think the Jets, it's, um, you know, adjusting with Rodgers, what kind of Rodgers, you know, what performance is he getting in offensive line-wise? I think everyone's pretty much talked about it at this point, right? Like, can this offensive line stay healthy? Can it play to kind of the value, the amount of money they've put into it? Um, I want to ask you quickly about uh, two quick more things. One with the Patriots. I just, I don't, I don't like, I don't see it right now. And I don't know if it's because it feels like they're still trying to be like, the Tom Brady Patriots without Tom Brady, which is very difficult. But like, it felt like last year there was this weird disconnect with Mac, the fan base, even the coaching staff at one point. Is he like, is he still the unquestioned like leader and quarterback in that locker room? Because there was some weird zappy stuff that like, I don't think Bailey Zappy's better than Mac Jones. I'm just going to like put it out there, but it sure as hell felt like a lot of people felt that way. Um, what's kind of going on there when New England because we haven't seen a quarterback thing in New England in a long time. Yeah, it is. It's funny too because the the Patriots fan base is like so inexperienced with with quarterback. Drama. Yeah, them and the Packers. I don't want to hear anyone complain. The Packers fan yeah. base in my mentions every day. You've never seen bad quarterback play. Right. I promise you, it's very yeah. awakening. I know, and it's so funny watching these fans like have these like really knee jerk like. They're so extreme. Like Jets fans, like are more stable. I would say from like a court. They're like, we've been through this. This is gonna happen, and this is gonna happen, and we're gonna, we're just gonna get through it. And the Patriots fans are like, this is the best thing in the world. This is the worst thing in the world. And they're so like out of control with their reactions because they haven't seen these like dramas unfold in in twenty something years. So, um, but to answer your question about Mac, uh. I mean, before the season started, a source from New England told me that they were actually instructed to take it easy on him 
in practices uh not to yell at him um and to try and like manage his emotions a little bit to, to um and ultimately i think they realized that was that was not the right way of going about it and um at one point during the season he even said to the media i want to be coached harder uh and i think that's when the, the organization maybe sort of like realized they needed to pivot in their management of him and be a little bit more uh less managing and just like more uh or like less like bubble wrapping and more like active managing and so i think that just shows that the team and the coaches and the player were all in really different places on what they thought the player needed and what the player actually did need and that's just not a good reflection of the organization in 2022 uh and that's why you saw a guy like Bailey Zappi gained so much momentum out of, you know, within the fan base, but also I think like he sort of gained some momentum in the locker room. He sort of gained some momentum within the coaching staff there. And, and so you did ask, you were like, well, you know, what's going on with Zappi or what's the the deal with this? Is Mac the unquestioned starter? And the answer is no, Bill Belichick has, has said he eventually when pushed like a fifth time to be like, is Mac your quarterback? He finally said this offseason, yes, Max, our quarterback. But prior to that, he had constantly been saying, oh, there's there's always open competition. You know, we want to we want to encourage competition um, during Bill O'Brien's press conference. You know, he's the new offensive coordinator uh, for those who haven't kept track. He actually never sent said Mac Jones his name once, which was like, I don't know, probably merely coincidence, but also still pretty weird. Uh, so I think. Mac Jones can recover um, this year and and be sort of the efficient quarterback that he was meant to be, uh, especially now that Matt Patricia uh, and Joe Judge are no longer running the offense. Um, but Bill O'Brien, um, I think he might get, if he's around for a while, I think he might get sort of bored with Mac Jones, like. It, I I don't know the Patriots I think they were like like you said they kind of got trapped thinking oh we can just make another Tom Brady and then they were like wait a second there is actually only one Tom Brady is that what you're saying and it's like yes Bill that's what we're saying to you um <laughs> so uh you know I think I do think they had like this inflated idea of themselves where they were like well Jimmy Garoppolo was really good when we had him and we even actually got Jacoby Brissett to win a game for us and you know Matt Castle almost got us into the like they thought they could manufacture a quarterback in today's age and they haven't pulled it off uh really outside their their the rookie year with mac where he was like pretty low-end starter but was supported by the rest of the the team so it's make or break year for mac jones we could see him break early and bailey zappy jumps in um i know they liked hendon hooker in the draft um and uh he 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 but they obviously you know they had a few chances to take him or trade up to grab him and and they couldn't so um but for whatever it's worth they were eyeing you know a quarterback or two um that doesn't scream to me an organization that really trusts their quarterback and his future prospects yeah i guess i guess we'll finish with this and then again make sure you guys check out um you know henry's article and his work on fox sports you know social media etc um we kind of talked about it. The AFC, the AFC is a gauntlet. The AFC is a gauntlet. If you had to put, not literal gun to your head, but I guess it's the only phrase I could think of, one team 
if you had to put your faith or, or money on one team, I guess, right now to make a run uh, to win the AFC in the AFC East, who are you going with? I feel like the most likely answer people are going to give is the Bills still, but um, I'm not sure we've seen enough in the playoffs that anyone that should warrant that is there. Are you sticking with the Bills or you think, you know, maybe the Jets or Dolphins um, could be the team that is the most likely, I guess, uh, to make a run, uh, run at the Chiefs title? So you're saying who's going to go to the Super Bowl out of the AFC? And yeah, which if you had to choose one team right now to go to the Super Bowl AFC, who uh, who would it be? I, I mean, Jets. I think I'm going to pick the Jets. Um, Aaron Rodgers has won a Super Bowl. Josh Allen has never made one. Um, the Jets defense and, well, their running game was kind of a mess. But their their defense looked like they just looked like a quarterback away. And it's so dangerous to say that expression in the NFL uh, because of how um, – turnover and like just sometimes defensive efficiency doesn't always carry over like the, it can be weird like that um but when you have a coach like Robert Sala I think you can trust him to recreate that level of defensive efficiency um you know do I super trust Nathaniel Hackett to like upgrade the offense not like incredibly but I think you see often good coordinators make for bad coaches like in anyone's work environment, you see a guy or a gal who is excellent at the their job, and then they get promoted, and then all of a sudden they can't handle, you know, the the skills that it took to get from, you know, here to here. Um, that's what we saw with Nathaniel Hackett, a good coordinator who couldn't hack it at at being a head coach. Sorry, uh, bad pun. Um, and so. I think he goes back into a, a coordinator role. He gets more comfortable. Aaron Rodgers, I'm sure there will be growing pains. There are definitely going to be growing pains. But even if there are growing pains early in the season, they're still going to make the playoffs. And then I think they have an opportunity to, to break through that gap. The Bills are getting a little bit old. I worry, like they had injury problems and they blamed that as sort of like a oh, it was sort of a statistical outlier. It's like, no, you guys have a lot of like old players and yeah, they're they're probably going to get banged up because they are they don't have fresh legs anymore. Um, so it's maybe a bold take, but I, I mean, I think it's actually a pretty logical one. Yeah, no, that makes, uh, that makes a ton of sense. I'm sure Jets fans will uh, be happy to hear that again. <laughs> uh, make sure you check out, you know, Henry's work, um, you know, on Fox Sports. I'll, uh, I'll put the link in the article. You had out, uh, you know, two days ago. Um, no, but appreciate you taking some time off to do it again, and uh, you know, continue, uh, continue the great work. We appreciate you coming on. Yeah, thank you for having me. Well, I appreciate it. Yeah, and everyone can give me a follow on Twitter. Uh, just search me, Henry McKenna. My handle is at McKenna Analysis.